Welcome back to the show, guys. If you haven't been listening before, my name is Liam, and we have uh, a special show with, for you this morning. Uh, we're on holidays, and so we've got two encounters with God for you, with some of our favorite encounters with God from uh, back in throughout the year. Um, earlier in this program, we had a... Uh, it was an encounter with God from August, and this is the very next day's encounter with God. So it's it's not going to be jumping everywhere, um, but yes. So sit back and relax and enjoy. This is the next part of Encounter with God, and handing it over now to Lyle and Minnie. Welcome back, everybody. It is Encounter with God time, and during the break, somewhere along the line, the studio here's got uh, interested in... <laughs> Tracing down their family trees. Liam is back to 1790 so far and Minnie hasn't made it past her grandparents. I need more information. Yeah, I just know names. I don't know dates or birthdays. So I'm like, but, I mean, you've got to start it. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we have like... Lots of conversation, but this one we were just like, hmm, so, <laughs> just information. <laughs> uh, tracing back family history is so much fun and so interesting, just to sort of see where we come from. And the fact is that we all related. Uh, mm. I think all Europeans are related to Charlemagne at some particular point, and all Asians, no, maybe not all Asians, I think one in seven Asians are related to Genghis Khan. You know, it's it gets very, very connected once you start. Mm-hmm. I think the thir- furthest you can be away is a, like a 33rd cousin, that's the most distant you can actually be. Which is really not that far when we just think numbers. Yes. I mean, it can be big, like there can be a lot of people, but that's that's not that far, right? It is It is very confusing when you get some of these family trees and you go back to the BC period and they start marrying their brothers and sisters. Mm. That, that creates interesting family trees. Like, wait a minute, that one doesn't fork. Tree is supposed to fork. It does not fork right there. It connects back to what is going on yeah. here. <laughs> it's like, oh, yes, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. The other thing, this is a quick side note. Um, when I was in New Zealand last year, I was talking to this fella and he was saying like he has Māori background. And so he said as the eldest son, he was required to learn all his genealogy. Oh, from, nice. From the time of the first waka. Oh, my days. His, just, just his parents alone, his, parent, uh, his dad was one of 16 kids. His mum was one of 24. Oh my. Like, and I was just like, <laughs> logistically, just to remember all of this. And I was just like, this is amazing. Because this was all oral, right? For yes. years and years and years. That was just oral traditions. And not everyone still has that, but there are a whole bunch of, I guess, as you're getting to the older generations of the Māori. Like they, I was like, this is, oh, this is phenomenal. And so how far back could he trace that? All the way to the fir- what they considered to be the first walkers that came to New Zealand. From- right. Mm, so the first, or something? Yeah, so the first immigrants yeah. to New Zealand. Yeah. They don't go past that. Nah, I don't but think they know. Sort of going back into legendary yeah. periods. But I still, mad respect, for because that's still a lot of names. That is amazing. I know, I know. I was like, oh, need to learn your ways. I mean, I <laughs> <laughs> just don't know. Uh, yes, very fun interesting. times, fun times. And, of course, you know, there's some significant genealogies in the Bible. Yes. You know, people trace their genealogies, trace their history back. And for Jesus, of course, that was important. You've got two different genealogies of Jesus in the Bible. You do. One through Joseph's line, one through Mary's line, both of them going back to David. And that's important because the Messiah was to come through the line of David and through the line of Abraham. And there's some interesting characters that turn up in that line. There is. You know, you've got uh, you've got Canaanites, you've got Midianites. You've got um, yeah, so it 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 uh, it just creates for it's just interesting. It isn't. I didn't even know that there was the separate two family lines, and then someone, oh yeah, some friend asked me once. They're like, oh, like who is 
which line? And I was like, oh, I didn't. I've never actually paid attention to that. Yes. It was a bit of a rebuke for me. I was like, oh, I've got to find this out. No, it was very cool because mm. when, you, when you realize what's going on, it's like, wow. Mm. Because we all know that Jesus was a descendant of David mm. and that he had to be to be the Messiah. Yes. Because that was what was prophesied. And so this is why it was recorded in the Bible. But when you read that genealogy, we often don't take that much notice of it. The thing I love about the genealogy is where it goes back to Adam. You know, this person which was the son of this person which was the son of Adam which was the son of God. Yeah, it's cool. Hey, it's cool. You know, you go back through all of these dead people and suddenly there's somebody who is still alive. Mm. He was not, of course, Adam the son of God in the context that Jesus is the son of God. He was the son of God in the context of being created, mm. which makes him a son by creation, mm-hmm. um, which is very different from Jesus as the son of God. There. We're going to talk about sharing Jesus, the Son of God. That's what our Bible study is all about today. Let's begin in Acts chapter 4, sharing the word, Acts chapter 4 and verse 20. And what is it that the disciples were sharing in the book of Acts? Okay, Acts chapter 4 and verse 20, please. Acts 4 verse 20 says, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Okay, so when it comes to sharing the Word of God. It's a little bit like sharing good news. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a little bit like, you know, you get excited about something, you want to tell people about it. So I got pretty excited last night and spent way too much time <laughs> and stayed up way too late looking at family history. I turn up at work this morning, it's like, I'm going to tell everybody about, tell it. about it. This is going to be amazing mm-hmm. uh, because I'm so just excited by it. Mm-hmm. And everybody can see that I'm excited by it. And then you guys get all excited by it. And Liam's over here and he's still filling in family <laughs> details. He's just, he's just, just connecting dots left, right and centre because uh, he's, he's sort of reached one of those points where it's just auto-filled for him. Mm. And, uh, and so he's excited about it. You're excited. You're going to go home and call your grandmothers yeah, now. Yeah, out. It's going to happen and we can hear all about it on uh, Monday or Tuesday next week. The Word of God is like that. Mm. When you're excited about something... You tell people what you have seen and heard Mm -hmm. because you have seen and heard something that is just amazing. And if witnessing is a duty and witnessing is something that you kind of have to do because you're a Christian and so I need to be, then there is something wrong with your relationship, with your connection with God because you're not excited about it. Mm -hmm. If you're not excited about Jesus Christ, then it's time to find some personal revival in your life. Mm. I'm reading this book at the moment called uh, Sharing Jesus is Everything by Alejandro Buyon, I want to say. I don't know. He's probably like Portuguese or Spanish or something. Um, And something I had never thought about it like this. He talks about when we do devotions. He's like, yep, there's prayer, there's Bible study, and there's sharing Jesus. And I love that because I can be like, oh, yeah, I did devotions this morning, and that's prayer and Bible study. I was like, okay, but who have you told about Jesus? And not not as a checklist, because this is exactly what you're saying, right? This is about the relationship, that it's just a true and authentic thing. But also it's interesting to think about, okay, is this true and authentic or is this a checklist? Because I think sometimes, yeah, it's very hard to share Jesus if you're not truly spending time with Jesus. You're and like, if you're not passionate about it. Mm-mm, absolutely. Yes. Okay. So uh, the disciples here, um, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Interesting quote in the 
Bible study guide that we have, 20 Million Movement Bible Study Guide. No sooner does one come to Christ than there is born in his heart as desire to make others make known to others what a precious friend he's found in Jesus. The saving and sanctifying truth cannot be shut up in his heart. If we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ and are filled with the joy of his indwelling spirit, we shall not be able to hold our peace. Mm. It reminds me of a story in the Bible where Imma, the son of Pasha, or was it Pasha, the son of Imma? I don't remember. One of those two uh, took Jeremiah and oh. beat him up, gave him a good hiding, um, and then locked him in the stocks, which was pretty miserable. Mm. You know, I mean, you've just been like massively publicly bullied, beaten up, smashed around, locked in the stocks. You're getting, you know, probably refuse thrown at you from people who walk past, and this is for speaking the word of God. Mm. And so Jeremiah's like, okay, he's like, okay, that's it. I've had enough. I'm done. It's over. I am, I am not going to speak anymore in God's, in God's name. It's, it's over. And you can kind of, yeah, you can see where he's coming from. He's like, the people don't want to hear. They're not interested. Bad things happen to me every time I talk about the word of God. So I'm just, let them be. Let them, let mm. them, let them, let these people die. You know, it's kind of where he's got to. And then he says, but, but the word of God was as a fire in my bones. Mm. I was weary with forbearing and could not stay. That's KJV, which means that the effort to keep in the <laughs> word of God was just exhausting to him. Yeah, more than the sharing. And he was so excited about the word of God, he just couldn't not share it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was it was exhausting to try and hold it in. He's like, okay, I give up. I'm just going to share it. <laughs> So here he is in the stocks and he's black and blue and he's been smashed around and he's just back into it. He's just back into sharing the word of God. It's like, this is easier. So, all right, here we go. Yep. You know, there's a challenge right there. How would you feel if you were beaten up and placed in the, in the stocks or whatever it might be? Would that, would you be able to stop talking about Jesus Christ? What would it take to stop you from mm. talking about Jesus Christ? That's a question that, is well worth each one of us asking ourselves yeah. uh, and help us to understand exactly where we are at with Jesus. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so who was it that hired Balaam the prophet from Mesopotamia? Mm-hmm. To, to come and curse Israel, and Balaam comes and blesses Israel, and Balaam comes and Balaam gives a prophecy, one of the greatest and most sublime prophecies in the Bible about Jesus Christ. And so Balaam becomes mm. one of the greatest messianic prophecies in the Bible. Now, here's an interesting twist. The word magi comes from Mesopotamia. That's not a Jewish word. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm. Okay, that's not a Hebrew word, it's not a Jewish word, it's... It's a Mesopotamian word. So the people. And Balaam uh-huh. prophesied about the star rising out of Judah. Okay. So, oh, okay. I'm okay. Up okay. What okay. Okay. Yep, watch yep, this. Watch yep. this. Watch this. Watch this. And when Israel first enters the promised land, it's the nation of Israel. Mm. 
But when Jesus is born, the nation of Israel is long gone. All that is left is the nation of Judah. Yes. And so when a star rises out of Judah, then you have Magi who follow the prophecy of Balaam to come and worship the Messiah. How did they know? Where did they get that information from? We know that Balaam went home at one stage and then came back to Moab. So he did a bit of traveling backwards and Mm. forwards. Did he leave a copy of his prophecy behind? And was it preserved for the next 1,400, 1,500 years, 1,600 years? This is amazing. I did not know. I knew he had a prophecy. I didn't connect any of those dots. Oh, some cool dots right there. Some cool dots. Mm, Absolutely. Now, the other thing that you've got to ask yourself is if you see a random star in the sky that you haven't seen before, are you going to go, oh, uh, my, obviously that means the Messiah is born? <laughs> You'd probably want some more corroborative information to go with that. Mm. And there was another prophecy that was given in Mesopotamia and written in Mesopotamia. But some years after, about eight, nine hundred years after By who? Balaam, who gave this prophecy? Daniel. Oh, yes. So he was from Mesopotamia as well. Mm. And he was actually considered to be, uh, if you were Persian, he was considered to be Magi. Yes. Because he ruled in the Persian court under Darius the Mede. Mm. Mm. Okay, so he was Mm. Prime Minister under Darius the Mede. Uh, He was in charge of the Magi. Maybe they were able to put two prophecies together and triangulate them and go, okay, right star, right place, right time. Because Daniel gives the time of the coming of the Messiah. yes. Specific time. And then if you had right star, right place, right time, then you'd say, you know what, maybe it's time to do a trip to to, to Jerusalem and find out what's going on. And my understanding, which could be a bit incorrect, I confess I'm not as much of a historian as you, but is that that culture also... um, were consistently is it astronomy astrology astronomy astronomy they you know they were watching the stars every night anyway because of astrology yes yes so astrology is the they religious connected. side of astronomy mm, yeah so they were very keen observers of the night sky but i know like even if I, I don't know stars at all but if i consistently like go camping or like you do just see changes in things you're just like oh okay you know that you used to would be, there be so there. onto it if you if this was such a part of your religious practice that you're out there all the time. I actually do think if you see something very different and you have prophecies, you're like, oh, we have to chase this star. Yeah, that's we right. To, we have uh-huh, to go uh-huh, see uh-huh, what this is about. Uh-huh. You know, there's that excitement and curiosity and all the things which come together to be like, we don't know, but we have just enough things to be like, okay, boys, let's do some research. Yeah. Where did this star come from? Why did it just why appear? Is it here? Why is it in that part of the sky? Why, why, mm. you know, and then you start, oh, oh, okay, there's a prophecy here from Balaam. Interesting, yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe this is about something to do with Judah. Let's look at other uh, prophecies from Judah. Oh, well, here's one from Daniel. Wait a minute. That gives the time period in which we are in right now. That other one's, you know, you start to put things together, start to join dots. Mm-hmm. And that would motivate you to go and, because you've got to remember, that these magi are at the highest political level of you know the Persian court. That's that's yes. why they're magi. So these are you know really significant men, men of wealth, men of means, um, men who have accomplished a lot. They travel to Judah, which is a micronation, and when they get there, they worship the son of. 
a peasant family, mm. right, who is living in abject poverty, and they don't just you know acknowledge him as king, but they worship him as God. Mm. Mm. They worship him. Yeah, you know they're not just honouring the birth of a king; they are worshiping God, who is sleeping in a manger. Which is amazing because that means that for them, the message that they've had has to be overriding the experience of going, hold on, this is a kid of a poor family. Do you know what I mean? Your experience is saying, this doesn't seem right, but all the other information they have says, no, 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 this is the one. That's right. Mm. And then they put their money where their mouth is. Yes, yes. Because they give him fabulous wealth. You know, Fully. The gifts that you would give to a newborn son of royalty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that of course supports them during their time in Egypt, uh, where, you know, they're, they're exiles in Egypt and, yeah. uh, and have to, um, yeah, flee to Egypt for that period of time. We are mm. way sidetracked. We are. It was How great. Do, I'm like, what's this got to do with sharing the word? I, to me, it's like, okay, it's got lots to do with sharing the word. It is an amazing story. It is. But yes, and we can move on with our Bible study. Romans chapter 1. <laughs> Romans chapter 1 is where we're going to next. Romans chapter 1, verse 14 to 16. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as, in, as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Okay, so when we work down through this particular passage here, um, Paul says that he is a debtor or is he obliged to both who and who? And then why? Um, verse 14. Verse 14. Both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. So the to everyone. Yes, Greeks, barbarians. Yeah, and the Jews. That's right, and which is interesting because when he's writing the book of Romans, there have been a whole bunch of barbarians who have actually come to the faith. Mm. In fact, there is an entire book of the Bible that is written to barbarians. Did you know that? Is that Galatians? That's Galatians. Celts? Yes, yeah. the Celts. Well done. <laughs> I think you told me that. Did I? <laughs> Years ago. And I was like, ooh, interesting. It is so interesting. Okay. Uh, then, that's, then he continues on. That's why I'm so eager to preach the gospel. To those who are in Rome, so you know he's been preaching all over the place, and he has um, preached to barbarians. He's preached to Greeks, and now he's preaching to Romans. Mm. And then he says something in verse sixteen. What does he say in verse sixteen? That he's not ashamed of the gospel, or that it's the power of God to salvation for everyone. Yes, I was like, I don't know where what, what specifically you're asking, but. <laughs> Uh, both. Yeah, okay. Both of those are really cool. Uh, I'm going to start with he's not ashamed of the gospel. Mm. So when you come to the fact that he is not ashamed of the gospel, you know he's preaching in Rome. He's preaching to the uh, the people who rule the world. I think there's so much in this, right? Because not ashamed of the gospel, part of, a massive part of what he's preaching is Christ crucified and resurrected. That's right. And this cross, that was such a, such a shameful way to die. To the Romans, right? That's right. So he's like, I'm not ashamed of this. The thing that you think is the most shameful, it's not. Let me tell you about it. That's so interesting. I've never thought of it that way because the cross, the crucifixion, was kind of the Roman specialty. Yeah. They didn't invent it, but it was definitely their specialty. They're the ones who did it en masse. 
Nobody had really done it in mass before the Romans came along, but they would literally do it in mass. And so this is something that is distinctly Roman and is reserved for the worst of the worst of the most heinous criminals that existed. Mm. And that was how Jesus was. Di- Jesus died, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm not ashamed of that." That's right. That's Let right. me tell you about somebody who was crucified and who was also the Son of God. Let me tell you why they died that way. Okay, Graham Kendrick with meekness and majesty.
That's Graham Kendrick with Meekness and Majesty. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. We have a couple more verses to get through here, three more verses to get through here. Vital principles about sharing the Word of God. Uh, Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 40. Before we go there, of course, we're going to have another clue for our quiz, which nobody has gotten yet. So please do give us a call. We've... uh, Yes, we've had some text messages coming through, but nobody's answered the quiz yet. So 1-800-324-843 is the number. Yes. Or text so, us on 0491-064-669. And the next clue is, my name begins with a B. All right, so, so we're starting to get easier. <laughs> somebody whose name starts with a B, this person hired somebody else whose name started with a B. So you have Balaam and who was the other someone. person? Uh, So let's just put those dots together and give us a call. That's right. Okay, so Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4, please, uh, Minnie. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. So here you've got a situation where Isaiah is a prophet of God. We don't know a whole lot about the level of education that he had, but we do know that a lot of the prophets were just, you know, typical, typically, uh, you know, um, farmers, artisans, mm. that kind of thing. That, you know, nothing of incredible levels of education. He has been given a job, and we know that his ministry extended around about fifty years. That's pretty solid. Which is a very, very, very long time. Mm. Uh, for a prophet, and that at the end of that he was executed. Mm. So he has lived longer, much longer than the average lifespan of that era. Mm. And he doesn't even die of natural causes. But he has a very, very long ministry. And, of course, that ministry is that God has called him to share the word of God. Now, if you were a simple farmer or a simple artisan or something like that of that particular era and God comes to you and says, I want you to share the word of God, you could feel a little intimidated. Absolutely. And Isaiah was intimidated. Mm. And you can you can read all about it in Isaiah chapter six, where his, you know an angel comes and touches his lips with fire, mm. puts that coal, anoints his lips with a coal of fire, and from that point forward, he is a a you know he does not hold back from sharing the word of God. But here he gives the real secret to it. Okay, so what has God done for him in verse 4? First part of verse 4 right there. He's given him the tongue of the learned, so he's basically given him the ability to speak. Absolutely. Mm. The tongue of the learned, and so when you read the book of Isaiah, it is the story of a, you know, it is written in a very, very well put together way. Absolutely. I, I wouldn't know if you don't have the context of who he is that he isn't like, intellectual and academic enough exactly because you read it and it's it's simple but it's very beautiful and poetic and and yeah it's it's not Paul but it's also not basic you're just like oh yeah there's like there's some solid stuff in this okay so what's this mm-hmm. go back and read Isaiah again mm-hmm. Isaiah is broken into two halves okay in the middle of Isaiah because you've got all these prophecies then in the middle of Isaiah you've got the story about Hezekiah and Sennacherib mm. and the Rabshakeh and all these guys, right? Oh. And then you got the second half of Isaiah. Now, what's the difference? Go back and read it and watch the difference between the first half and the second half. Okay. Because what you find is his poetic ability and his language 
just goes up 10 notches in the second half. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love Isaiah. And so what you've got there is basically we are looking at Isaiah as he as he grows in Christ. Yeah. We're actually seeing we're actually seeing and recognizing his growth in Christ. And you know, they estimate that there might be, you know, a very significant time gap between the first half and the second half, the writing of the two halves of Isaiah because there's such a distinct um Upgrade in the language that is used. It's still distinctly Isaiah's style. Yes. So we know that it's the same author all the way through. There's no nobody's questioning that. But we can see this vast improvement. Like here is the life of somebody who's dedicated their life to serving God. And they've started out and it's kind of simple and basic, but look what God did with him. Something I want to add on that is I know that I have seen a couple of I mean not so much in writing, but in public speaking. And you've kind of seen a little bit of their journey with God because it's sometimes it's not obvious and sometimes it is. And I remember listening to one, one of my brothers when I was a teenager, he'd kind of gone through his own personal revival experience and he was up the front. I don't even remember now what he was talking about, but I remember him being like, this has to be God. I was never going to get up and speak to you guys. This is God's work in my life. And, and I was kind of at a point, you know, I grew up in Seventh-day Adventist home, really wanted this deep relationship with God, but didn't. And it was interesting because I didn't, I didn't live with my brothers. I lived with my mum. But I was watching him being like, yeah, this is very weird for you. Like you're not an up the front person. You're not. And so it was just these small things, even that. And he just fully was like, this is God. This is God in my life. There was no way this would be me. And I just thought, yeah, it's just amazing the testimony that is revealed in people's lives. That they live. Yeah. And you see. Yeah. And yes. then the, and they contribute it to God. That's like, mm, yeah, that's. <laughs> I didn't put myself here. <laughs> it's a powerful testimony because, yeah, you know, there's a there's a number of famous sayings that people want to see Christians rather than hear them. Mm. Or, sorry, see them more than hear them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as Christians, we're like, we kind of reverse that. It's like we just want to you know tell everybody about <laughs> Jesus, and everybody's like, no, we want to see him instead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we need to do both. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter three and verse one. Is probably yeah. Anyway, okay. Let's read, read verse one. <laughs> okay. This is gonna this is gonna give my previous statement a little bit of context. Okay. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Okay. So, is there a time for preaching Christ by living your life? Absolutely. And people seeing a mm. Christian. Is there a time for preaching Christ by preaching the word? Yes. Yes. There is time for both, and I think that we need to keep it in context uh, because both of those are incredibly important when it comes to sharing the word. It's that balance too, isn't it? Because they are both important. And we need to understand that balance. We need to be able to understand when to speak and when to not speak. Mm. And we also need to understand you know, when to not be judgmental on others because we think that they're doing the wrong thing or we don't like the way they're doing it because maybe God has called them to... A ministry that we know nothing about. Yes, and also I had a huge rebuke many, many years ago. A friend of mine came to the Lord, super excited about it, couldn't stop talking about it. It's like I'm going to go and do street preaching right in the middle of Newtown. <laughs> Goes to Newtown, does street preaching. I'm thinking, oh, this is embarrassing. This is making Christians look, you know, kind of, and it's not going to win anyone. You can't win anybody just by being strange. And somebody <laughs> gives their life strange. to strange. Somebody gives their life to God right there wow, on the street. Wow, man. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and had a powerful testimony to share. And I kind of like lost track with a guy in recent years. But, um, yeah, she had a power te- powerful testimony for many, many years. Just came straight from atheism 
and uh, a couple of weeks later he's in church, a couple of weeks later he's, um, he's sharing testimony in church. Amazing, amazing. And you're right, and I think that the, it is all important for us, us, for us to share Jesus is important, but the way that that is going to happen I think sometimes is personal conviction because there are some people who are naturally more confident to go and preach. And then the person who isn't, there are times that God will be like, hey, I need to grow you in this. Like, I'll convict you in this. Maybe this person doesn't have that conviction. That's, that's not your business. Your conviction is this, so ne- you need to go do that. And vice versa. Does that make sense? does. Mm. Absolutely. All right. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. What is that we are called to do? The Bible says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and careful instruction. Mm. So that's 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2. That is what we are called to do as Christians. Take the word and to be ready to preach it, to be instant in season and out of season, always ready to go. This is Cara Klein with The Gift of Love.
Hey, Minnie. Yeah. Where are you? I'm not here. Well, then, how are you on air? I can hear you. Where are you? I'm just away living life, living the dream. What are you up to? Well, I'm kind of away living life, living the dream, too. And we hope that you are away living life, living the dream, and living that dream with Jesus Christ right now. Absolutely. But that you still are tuning into Faith FM. We've got the best of shows. And we're going to be back on January 5th. We're going to be back on December 5th. January, January, January 5th, yes. We will return. <laughs> January 5th. December might be a little bit far away. But it'll be a good time when it is. We'll be back on December 5th. No, January, let me get it again. January 5th. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back on January 5th. We will speak to you guys then. <laughs> Rock of ages, clap for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood From thy wounded side which flow Be a sinner double pure Save from wrath and make me pure Not the labor of my hands Can fulfill
Welcome back, guys. It's me again, Liam, your favourite producer here on Faith FM. Look, guys, I uh, one of my favourite things that I've been able to do this year is putting together the question of the day jingle. And believe it or not, I love it so much that today we're going to get to listen to it twice because we've got two Encounter with Gods for you. Um, so without further ado, it is now time for... Question of the Day. Today's a super controversial one, question of the day. Vaccinations. Where are you at with vaccinations, Minnie? Uh, <laughs> she doesn't want to answer on things. it. Yeah, I know. Look, I was I just yeah. I am not opposed. I am skeptical. Yeah, they kind of I, I find that they kind of do give kids a lot of vaccinations these days. The um I'm 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 very pro vax. Mm. I do have questions. Yes. I, and I, I don't think it's healthy not to have questions. Mm. I do have questions. And this is just me. I am not a medical doctor by any stretch of the imagination. Right. It's just purely my opinion. So go and talk to your medical professionals um, about this. I've had medical professionals that have sort of given me views from both sides. Well, that's And I think that's why I also have questions because yeah. I've had doctors say to me no and doctors say to me yes and I'm like, ah. Oh, so this person, has, this person has sent a, a very, very long question coming through. Okay, first of all, the Bible does not speak about vac- vaccinations. There is nothing in the Bible that you can use as a, a biblical uh, mandate or precedent not to use vaccinations. Mm. So this is not an issue in relationship to the Bible. We need to make that very, very clear that you cannot use the Bible in this debate. Yes. So this is something that you're going to take up between your medical professionals and your uh, family and with God as to how you make your decision. In relationship to vaccinations, I regularly get vaccinations when I travel overseas. Yeah, it's kind of a requirement and you know, you don't have to get a lot of different vaccinations, but there's some really nasty bugs out there. So the question uh, the questions that come through, there's kind of three of them here. Um, this person says, odd to discredit the immune system that God has given to us by adding something to it. First of all, you're not discrediting the immune system. You are actually tapping into the immune system. So we have this amazing immune system and the way a vaccination works is you tap into this amazing system that God has given to us by prompting that system to create antibodies to rescue you from uh, whatever disease it is that you're being vaccinated from. The next question that comes up is that this person doesn't feel comfortable with being uh, vaccinated with vaccines made from aborted fetal cells. Now, I am very much against abortion. Mm-hmm. I am totally against abortion, particularly if we are, you know, reached a point where we had to do abortions so that we could have vaccinations. If it was a choice between the two, I would say go without the uh, vaccinations um, in favour of keeping the children alive. Having said that, Whenever somebody dies, well, not whenever, but often when somebody dies, there is the opportunity of using parts of that person in somebody else to save another life. And so if a fetus is boarded, aborted for, you know, through natural causes, through natural means, um, or through an, a medical emergency, I have no qualms. You know, if that was my child, I'd say, please use whatever you can. It's the same with my body. If I get killed in a car accident, take my eyes, take my lungs, mm. take my kidneys, take whatever you can, and, you know, take my heart, spread it around the world and save as many lives as, as possible as you can with it. And there's no difference between that using my organs from my dead body to save a life and, uh, and, and, and using cells from a fetus that has died. Mm. What I am against is purposely taking the life 
of you know a viable Aye. child. Uh, that should not be happening. Um, and then, of course, well, the other the other question that comes through here is kind of related to the first one, where it's, they're saying it's kind of strange to take tissue from another human being and inject yourself with it. I believe that as Christians, and this is my opinion, because once again, you don't find this in the Bible, we have a moral obligation to be an organ donor. And I believe that in Australia, we should have an opt-out system, not an opt-in system to organ donation. So in other words, you're automatically all organ donors unless you want to opt out. That's my position on it and I feel quite passionately about it and I see that we could have lots more discussion on it. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. Guys, that was Torren Wells with Known. Well, like I said before, uh, we've got two questions of the day today. So we're going to move straight on with the next one. It is now time for... Question of the Day. Too keen. Too keen. Yeah, too keen. Too keen. <laughs> um, so basically, these are there's some bizarre verses in the Bible. Yes. And we want to understand this one. Why is it here? What does it mean? So in Ezekiel 23, verse 19 and 20, it says, 
Yet she multiplied her whoredoms in calling to remembrance the days of her youth, wherein she played the harlot in the land of Egypt. For she doted upon their paramours, whose flesh is as the flesh of asses and whose issue is like the issue of horses. Why, why is this here? What is it talking about? What does it mean? Yeah, okay, this is a pretty full-on verse right it's here. It's pretty, yeah. And if you've got young children nearby that are going to ask strange questions, then use some discretion uh, because we are going to talk about what this verse is actually talking about. Mm-hmm. First of all, uh, we've got to identify the woman. The woman in the Bible is always a symbol of God's people. Mm-hmm. And here you have the woman um, as uh, a symbol here of God's people, in other words, Israel at this particular uh, period. And it's talking about the time that she was a prostitute in Egypt and how she lusts after her lifestyle as a prostitute. Mm. And she lusts after the men that she was with. It's an illustration that is giving. It's not talking about a literal circumstance, although if you want a literal example of it, you could look at the story of Hosea and Goma, mm-hmm. um, where Goma was an incredibly broken person, and you're going to find that within this passage here in Ezekiel. Ezekiel is writing to uh, God's people because they are incredibly broken people at this particular time, and mm-hmm. they are just lusting in all of the wrong places. And so God's like, okay, just to illustrate how far you guys are going, because you know when somebody is lusting after somebody else's genitals, there's no relationship mm. interest there whatsoever at all. It's purely the satisfaction of the flesh and nothing else. And God's like, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be married. I want to be married to you as my people, but you don't want to have a relationship. You just want to have physical pleasure, and you were just lusting after, you know. Sex. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's all your life. You know, it's just, just it's the only thing that you're interested in. You're not interested in a relationship. And so God is drawing a contrast between a relationship that is purely physical and also not just purely physical, but immoral as well with multiple partners and a relationship that is much, much more than that. A relationship that is deep and personal and intimate and close and special and involves love rather than passion. And he's basically saying to his people, okay, you're lusting after all this stuff. You don't know what you are missing out on. Mm. Because when you have a relationship where there is love and where there is intimacy and where you are the best of friends, then the passion and the sex and you know so forth that is a part of that relationship is just so special and so amazing. But if you take all of the rest out of it and all you've got left with is sex, it's very, very empty. And he's like, your connection is empty Mm. because there's no connection with me. The idolatry of Egypt is never going to provide the relationship that I can provide. That's what that verse is there for. I am dwelling. Thank you. 
There's no thirsting for life's treasures, nor adorning rich and gay. For I've found a richer treasure, one that fadeth not away. For I've found a richer treasure, one that fadeth not away. Well, thanks very much for joining us today, guys. We, we really do appreciate it, and we hope that you've been able to enjoy it. Um, now, like I said at the, earlier on in the program, over the, over the holiday break, Lyle, uh, Minnie, and myself, we're all away. We're all having some, uh, some, some, some time with our families, some time away from work, um, just to really enjoy the, the holiday season. And look, we do hope and pray that you are enjoying the holiday season as well. So we make sure that we, we'd like to ask and pray that uh, you pray for us as well. While we're while we're having our break, and we will make sure that we keep all of our all of you wonderful listeners in our prayers as well. Um, so, guys, I'm going to be back with you tomorrow. You get to hear my lovely voice again in the morning, and I'll be with you with another couple of encounters with God and the great, another one of our favorite interviews from the year, and a couple of the great questions that we've had as well. So, thank you again for joining us, guys. We hope you have a wonderful day on this lovely Monday morning, and yeah, we'll. We'd also like to remember to, to remind you guys to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and of course, you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.